Well, well, welcome to another Between Sundays. My name is Tyler, and I'm glad you're with us. Don't worry, no animal carcasses. We're split down the middle in the recording of this pod. But fair warning, today we're getting triggered. Taking a look at the things that remind us of God's favor. Dave Rod is here to give us the goods on his message that he gave last weekend. And a little bit later, we'll be speaking with the one and only Stacia Matthews on her own amazing story of faith. Jam-packed episode, guys. So let's get started and welcome my favorite Gergeshites, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Hey, what's a Gergeshite? Yeah, I have no response. I don't know. Dave said it. Who Good are day, you calling Dave. a Gergeshite? Hello, I would say they're Ammonites oh, more Ammonites. than Gergeshites. All right. I just, when you said Gergeshites this past weekend, I thought that was just some, like a, the noise of a sneeze. Like, Gergeshite. <laughs> oh, God bless you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Was that, was that the list of all the all tribes the, at the end of that yeah. passage? By the yeah. way, nailed it. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, you did. Worked on it. Yeah, great there, sermon. It was confusing. <laughs> no, she's talking about oh, the, the list. Name. Yeah, the list. <laughs> the yes. list. Those are not easy. It was confusing because I think there was Kenites and Kenanites. Yes. Like, yeah, they hated did, it when people made, they got them confused. confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, I'm a Kenite. <laughs> Every time. Guys, we're here. We're back. Welcome. Thank you. And welcome Thanks. listeners. Thanks for listening to another episode. Um, we're excited to be here and uh, jam-packed, like I said. So let's get into it, guys. What's going on? What's What's been happening in your life? Go ahead, Barry. What you got? Okay, so, so this past weekend, I had the craziest thing happen. I was staying at this uh, friend of the family's cabin in the middle of the woods. Why? For a little personal retreat. I thought I would oh. do a little couple nights because things are going to be really busy for the next couple weeks. So I thought I'd okay. take some time to get away. Uh you know, just talk to God, pray, that kind of stuff. That sounds nice. It was, it was awesome. It was really nice. But uh, one, and I don't think I've even told you about this yet. So you you haven't heard. (laughs) Wait, you're looking at your dad. uh, Can I I just jump in and say, we got a preliminary text (laughs) that just kind of wet the whistle. Just let us know something's coming. So we've been waiting. You guys are not going to believe this. So this happened. (laughs) So uh, I went for a hike out in the woods. It was really nice and got a picture. I mean, this is like deep in the woods at the end of a very long hill hilly gravel path. Um, there's to the North of me, there's nothing but wilderness forever. Uh, South of me, if I kept walking for maybe a quarter mile, a little bit longer, there's a house down this gravel path and, and around the bend, you might find another house, but it's pretty sparse. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Where was it? Uh, down in Brown County, down by Yellowwood state forest. So I was there and I went on this hike and it was great. And I came back in and they have a hot tub there, which is mm-hmm. kind of a luxury for me. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go get in the hot tub a little bit. Yeah. So I came in, uh, dropped off my, my hiking gear, locked the doors. I went to the back and, um, put on my swimsuit and good. I'm glad you wore a swimsuit. Important. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. I probably didn't need it. Family friendly show, family yeah. friendly. <laughs> So, and then I, uh, left my phone on the bed and, and put the keys on the bed or whatever and had a, uh, towel that I was going to leave right inside the door. Cause I figured I'll go out there, be in the hot tub and then I'll just cover the hot tub and run back inside. Yeah. So, um, oh, I go no. out there and it's about 40, 45 degrees. So it's cold, but not, not frozen. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was out in the hot tub for a little bit. It wasn't as hot as I would have liked. So I was out there for 30 minutes. And I was like, all right, I think I'll just go back in now. <laughs> so I get out and cover up the hot tub. And again, I'm just in my swimsuit. So I'm freezing, but I'm like, it's fine. I'm mind over matter. I'll just get inside and, and oh, no. you know, take a shower. I know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> and so I go back to the door, which I had intentionally 
thought about and and made sure that it was unlocked because I oh, from the inside no. I I opened you know the handle moved it was it was totally unlocked. Turns out not the same story when you close it from oh, the outside no. where it automatically locks. No. So I go up to the door and it is it is locked. Oh. It is as locked as it's gonna be. And I said, oh. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Because uh, I realized everything: my phone, my keys, my towel. Wait, is that the only door inside. in the house? Well, all the other ones were locked oh, because I had come no. inside and locked the. Do- okay, at this so, point, I'm really glad you had your swimsuit. Yeah, yeah thanks so goodness. Just a swimsuit, but at least it was, at least I had that. So I think, okay. Oh, it's all freezing right. outside. It's cold. I'm outside. I'm locked outside. I need to think and figure something out. And so, uh, MacGyver, because literally, what I was thinking is worst case scenario: break a window. No, I'm not breaking a window. I would break a window. Worst case scenario: I will walk down barefoot and half naked down the path to this neighbor's no. house and see if I could call somebody with their phone and explain the situation. But I, I was like, before In the middle I do of the that, night? no, no, no. It was like it was like four o'clock okay. p.m. So still light out on everything. So I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go around and just check all the windows and doors to see if any of them are budge at all. Okay. I don't know what I'll do if a window opens and there's a screen or whatever. I'm going to figure this out. So I go around and thank the Lord almighty. One of the doors, one of the sliding doors, when I gave it a tug, it popped off the lock but there was still one of those wooden bars in there that kept it. So it opened about three inches. That was all it did. Opened three inches. And I thought, okay, I can work with this. (laughs) What? I can work with this. Shapeshifter? No, I looked at that and I looked in there and I saw the wooden bar and I thought, I got, I'm going to figure this out. So I ran back around the house. I found a bonfire poker, a long bonfire poker with the two times this or whatever. This is MacGyver. Yeah. So I grabbed it. I ran back to the door with the three inch opening, squeezed my arm all the way through, and then used the, the poker to like lift up the wooden, no the wooden rod. Way. And it took me, a, it took me a little bit and I was still freaking out, shaking with <laughs> adrenaline. But so I finally, resourceful. I, I, I popped it open. And then I was able to slide the door open and I was back inside. Wow. wow. Okay. And Probably. then what? Did you go to bed? Like, cause you're just so <laughs> no, I immediately hopped in the shower and then I called my wife and said, you won't believe what just oh happened. Oh my goodness. Barry. Wow. Thank goodness so, you're okay. And then I just continued my retreat. Intense. Yeah. Thank no, goodness. not intense. I was in a cabin. <laughs> Yeah, little, little all, tent joke there. Was that say, all the, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my goodness! Tyler just got it. I did just get it. Intense. Intense. Anyway, at that point, all the adrenaline was gone. You had wasted all yeah. of it at yeah. that point, and you could, you can hardly function exactly. after that. So that was so my, was that the first day? Yeah, it was the first full day. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness! So well, thank uh, Marin. <laughs> Marin just got a free coffee and rubbing it in our face. <laughs> I'm happy for you, Marin. Good job. Marin, what's new in your life? You know, I don't know that I have anything all that exciting to say that is new. Um, I was at North India on Sunday. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, Great. I got, I got to sing with Ephraim's brother, Judah. Ephraim oh, cool. is the awesome. worship director at North Indy. Why, thank you. Yes, he is. Yeah, and his he, brother. He was here at 146 this weekend. Ephraim led at 146. And I got to sing with Judah. So that was a lot of fun. And then my family was invited to Rob Yonan's house for lunch after oh yeah yeah so that How was, was that also super fun yeah yeah so rob yonan north indy pastor what'd you guys have for lunch everything 
under the sun. Seriously, I've never gone home with more leftovers than oh, I did Oh, they gave yesterday. you leftovers. Oh, did they ever. What Oh, a my treat. goodness. I will eat all week they're long. All great, they're great cooks. Oh, yeah. Great, oh, it was great. amazing. It was amazing. Cool. We had uh, a beef stew, something or other, and then meatball, something or other, and both of them were, uh, I guess, traditional, like, family favorites and traditional recipes, but super awesome. This Kids is like- fun. It was awesome. The 11th episode in a row where food <gasps> has been discussed. Did you, did you guys me. have any Brussels okay. sprouts? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, yeah. <laughs> that was, by the way, I love the pod. Thanks, Dave. Pal of the pod. But, but the Brussels, Brussels thing, I got irritated after a while. Why? Why? You disagree? <laughs> no, I don't. I, <laughs> oh, you thought we camped out on that a little oh too long. Oh my gosh. It was like, move on. Well, <laughs> well I some of our listeners really love the tangents. I just assume. No, I have no one's actually told me <laughs> yeah, that. Nobody I do too, but can verify. But 35 minutes yeah. of Brussels sprouts. That's a little long. But that was that we got to feature Emily for the first time. Yeah, that was, oh, that was the coolest which part was of my that favorite. People thing. haven't stopped talking about that yeah. moment. Hmm? Yeah, they want more. <laughs> Dave, what's new in your life? What's no, happening? Nothing. Nothing, huh? Oh, I'm just... You just gave an awesome sermon this weekend. You no, know, you know, and that's the thing. When you preach on a weekend, you it kind of sucks everything. It's like the huge vacuum. Yeah. And then you get to Monday morning and you go, what happened? Yeah. What happened to my life? But uh, yeah, it was just, it was a good long weekend and met a lot of actually new people, really cool new people this past weekend that was real... Cool. Real exciting. But other than that, what else did I do? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's kind of a blur. It is. It's a blur. Guys, I went to my first ever trip to Ikea. Oh, wow. Yes, you did. I have never been. I've heard a lot about it. And nobody told me that it was like a two and a half hour experience. You should have asked Jed. That's how Uh, they get you with those, with those meatballs in the middle. They know you're 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 famished. (laughs) Did you go for meatballs and they, they were out? No, I, no. no we I went. promised that they had them. I don't know. They had them. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to make a lot of enemies. Why? Oh, no. Why would you go to Ikea? <gasps> I, I agree, Dave. Oh, well, wow. first of all. Enemies right here yeah, at this right. table. Sorry, sorry, but That's I'm like, That's the really? most controversial thing that we've ever said <laughs> on Between Sundays <laughs> by far. We went, my wife had a gift card, $100. Great. Not too $100 shabby. can go a long way in Ikea is what That's I hear. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we go there. That's my point. <laughs> Sing. and it's great because you know they've got all the rooms set up and it's like wow this is really affordable furniture and then you sit on it and you're like eh, it's a rock and that's my point yeah okay <laughs> and then there's like split up between the room set up and then what they call the marketplace where it's just a bunch of like spatulas <laughs> and lights and stuff and like bins that you can pick mm. out and bins all the cool. things you need. Yeah. All, yeah. Okay. Need. All the things you need. Thank you. Um, I, I bought a walk there one time cause I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I need a walk. I've never used it before, <laughs> but what if, have you ever used stir it? Fry, well, I had to get rid of it cause it was so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it, it like rusted in like a second. So yeah. there's a couple stories at Ikea, but my favorite one, that happened to us on Friday night. Um, my wife had a cart with like a square wheel on it. You know, those carts that just like, it's not smooth. It's not a smooth experience. It's got like a click Take in it, one of the sure. wheels. Take it back. Yeah. Yeah. So we, she was literally like two wheeling it. She was like holding the cart up <laughs> to two wheel it because the, the sound was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. So I've done that. I get it. Yeah. So halfway through, you know, you get to the cafeteria experience, but the cafeteria says, leave your cart over here 
while you enjoy meatballs, mm-hmm. right? So there's a whole like cluster of carts and she's like, I'm going to take one of these carts. And I said, I don't think you should do that. This is somebody else's cart who's enjoying their meatballs. Just <laughs> let's just keep moving. And she didn't, she took her stuff out of our cart and put it in an empty cart. Mm. Uh-oh. But as she was doing that, the owner of the oh, cart sees oh. her and is like, it's a throwdown. Is that my cart? Oh and there's my. a confrontation in the middle of Ikea between my wife and this guy. And she's of course like, uh, what is this your cart? I don't know. Is this it your was cart? just an empty cart? And he literally here. looked in her cart to see if she had taken anything of his. And he just goes, just take it for goodness sakes. <laughs> And then we were on our way. So wait, it wasn't an empty cart. She took someone else's cart and transferred their transferred her stuff into the empty cart and, and his stuff into the other. No, it was a misunderstanding. He thought we had taken his stuff, but we didn't wait. Where was his stuff? I don't know. That's the question. (laughs) The story continuity here is important. Well, (laughs) it wasn't his cart. It, it wasn't his cart. So the big misunderstanding was that we were taking his stuff and his cart, but it was somebody else. Some, some other poor schmo's cart. Yeah. And he, the point is, he yelled at my wife, just take it for goodness sakes. And so we were on our way, but that was, that was my introduction to Ikea. Wow. Well, in, in Lauren's defense, people abandon carts all the time. At Ikea? Everywhere. Why? Absolutely everywhere. They just, they just abandon them. But you're not going to take the time to put it back where it goes. Right? Yeah, but just leave it. There's like, Someone else will do there's it. There's an opportunity to grab a cart probably four times in Ikea. The beginning. <laughs> the cafeteria apparently and then at the end you got to get this giant like flatbed truck right. thing cart yeah. and trade Were you your- getting like big gear did you need the flatbed truck uh we should have gotten it but we didn't so i had to carry all this stuff but it was fine well and now i'd like to tell you a story and it's the story <laughs> of a couch a couch that I love, a couch that if you come to my house right now, you wouldn't be invited to sit on this, did, this couch. We bought it on Craigslist, but it's an Ikea you couch. With not liking Ikea? It's You're an offended. Ikea couch. Mm. It is leather. And we bought it secondhand from like frat boys in Chicago. So like this mm. thing took a beat mm. down before it came to our family of four and our dog. Lots of hardship has happened in relation to this couch, but this couch is in mint condition. Wow. It's comfortable, mm. supportive, very mm. large. It's Wait, how do you know forever. it's from Ikea? Because it's from Ikea. Oh, yeah. I mean, how- you can't just tell by looking at a piece of furniture, <laughs> no. Tyler. There's tags. I, I mean, it is clearly an Ikea couch, but it is durable. It is safe. Great. <laughs> also, mean- you can also tell because it's got a big thing on the back that says it's called a Vlunderbrlom. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That's the one. That's our couch. Yeah, that's how you do. <laughs> it's an L shaped sure. sectional Vlunderbrlom. Yeah. Gergeshite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was my experience. I don't need to go back. It was fine. It was a good experience for the first time, but I don't need to go back. Lauren, I will go to Ikea with you from now on. Yeah. Ask me how many times people have said, <laughs> have you tried this, the meatballs or the cookies or the... Well, the problem is... Cinnamon rolls. I hear the meatballs I- are horse meat. <laughs> Is that a rumor? No. It's not horse meat. I heard they're made out of horse meat. They are well, not made out of horse that's meat. That's one way to have fewer people go to Ikea. <laughs> I, dis- I disagree. They are right. delicious. When, actually, my kids and I went there, I think when they opened on fall break, and we only went there for meatballs. The kids were stoked. We were so excited. Mm. Yeah, people go. go there for meat. The only way I'd go there is if there were Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, see, you're bringing it back. You've you brought it up twice now. You can't say that you're really sick of it. I'm not. <laughs> 
All right, let's talk about the sermon, guys. Let's. But before we do that, I would love to bring in our welcomed and honored guest, Stacia Matthews. Hello, Welcome, Stacia. Woo woo. Thank you. We've been trying to get you on this podcast for a couple of weeks now. Every time I see you, I say, you got to get on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And uh, little do people know, you are the first podcaster of Grace Church. Yeah. People don't know that. Well, they some people, now. some people probably know that. <laughs> I did but, not know that. Yeah. Can you yeah. explain. Stacia it- Matthews and Ron Stoller used to do a podcast uh, yeah. called Along the Way. Along and the it was way. about the way of discipleship. Yeah. So welcome. Thank now you. you're a guest. Now you're on the other side well, of the table. Yeah. Not only that. She's been in front of a microphone That's more right. than any of us. TV, <laughs> All of us put together. TV personality, <laughs> beloved local hero, Stacia oh, Matthews. Thanks. Welcome. So Thank I you. wanted to bring you in early so we could all kind of process the sermon this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Off the chain. Yeah. Stacia, can't wait to hear what you think. Off the chain. So before we get into our opinions of it, Dave, do you mind just giving us a quick synopsis or summary of the big idea of what you wanted everybody to hear yesterday? Well, topic was belief. The big idea was more uh, centered around Genesis fifteen six, and Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous as a result. So the big the, the big idea uh, started with the question: Do we do we believe? Do I believe? And what level of belief do I have? Mm-hmm. So that that was the question. And it's a quick clip that maybe uh, sets us up to talk more about that, because this statement. Abraham believed God and God counted to him as righteous, counted him as righteous, will help you and force us all to wrestle with this question, do I believe God? Do I believe God? And so you went into a couple of ways of how to increase your belief, but let's all talk right now about what it actually even means to believe God. You said it was an act of will. Yeah. And uh, And that was based... That was based on my understanding of the Hebrew word that Moses chose to describe Abraham's belief. Mm-hmm. Um, it literally means I affirm this. Hmm. I, I affirm you. I affirm what you're saying. I, I, I'm, this is an act, act of my will. And you made a distinction. This is not just an intellectual idea. And that's why we don't say believe in, in God. God. We say believe God. Mm-hmm. Great distinction. Because I do think a lot of people say I do believe in God. Sure. Yeah. But this story in particular, he, and one of the, one of the first things you say is you need to have a personal like engagement discussion yeah. with God. And that's what Abraham was doing. And when you're talking to God, you're not going to say, I believe in you. You're going to say, I believe you. Yeah. Right. When we say I believe in God, it can mean everything from conceptually. I'm kind of down with the idea of God, or I believe in the, the- I believe in church. I believe in theology. I mean, you could, there's a lot of things you could believe in. But mm-hmm. to say I believe God, automatically you've personified, he, he's there, mm-hmm. and I believe him. I, be, I believe him and what he's saying to me and what he's offering. Mm-hmm. That's a huge difference, mm-hmm. huge difference. Can we talk about the animal halves? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. where you want of to all things. I, will, I mean, what? With the animal halves, what? Yeah. Does anybody know why with the animal halves? Well, Yes and no. I mean, uh, we can we can figure out that it was an ancient way to establish a contract. Um, now, theologians will take that, and and I struggle with this. Um, we'll start to um, riff on the theology of it by by saying, "Well, okay, an animal had to die. Jesus had to die. 
Oh yeah. Um, and so trying to tie it all together. They try to tie it all together. And what they do is read back into that sure. something that we look at thousands of years later. Originally when it was established, um, it probably had something to do with, you know, this contract is so serious that life has been taken. Yeah. You know, it probably had some kind of implica- implications like that. The fact that it was a cow and a <laughs> sheep and a goat uh-huh. and, and these birds might've. Well, the birds are safe. Yeah, they you didn't cut the well, birds. In they half. Were, they're they, still dead. They were dead. Oh, they died. They were dead. They, they just were weren't just cut in half. Probably too right. little to cut in half or something. <laughs> yeah. But the but the point is that there was symbolism. There was deep symbolism in uh-huh. everything that happened. Um, but we don't. We just don't know. One one thing that is important to remember. He knows. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But but I'm always, this is something that just struck me. But I'm thinking about it. That this again. Always forget this, but Genesis was written to the Israelites mm-hmm. as they were entering into right. the into the Promised Land, and so they would have been receiving the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses, and in that law were all of these animals, mm-hmm. these exact animals, and what you were to do to sacrifice them for the sake of removing sin, for the sake of being right with God, for the sake of offering out of your abundance. So I think, and I don't know what this is, and we probably need to get Tim in here to figure this one out, but there's, there has got to be some, nothing in, is, in, is in this story by accident. There's got to be some reason that Moses listed these specific animals because it would have rung a bell for the Israelites mm-hmm. who were dealing with these specific yeah. animals on a very daily basis. But okay, a hundred percent agree. Now I don't want to get geeky here on this, but essentially by doing that, we're also reading back into the thing that Abraham experienced, something that 500 years later made sense to them. In its day, it made sense to Abraham prior to the Mosaic right. law. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I agree 100% with Barry. For those standing in, uh, who had just crossed the Red Sea or just you know, seen God come down on them, keep this in mind. They, they would, have, would have already experienced the pillar of smoke yep. and the pillar of fire. Okay, they, they would have been led across the Red Sea into the wilderness. And now Moses is telling him, by the way, the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire already, already yeah. appeared in our story at one time. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that reading back into But in its day, we, no one really understands. This is the Bronze Age. We don't have any kind of exposition of the ideology of the Bronze Age. Sure. Probably somebody does somewhere. The thing I read said that, and you alluded to this, this, this was... Uh, tradition and common in the ancient East where people would make deals by putting these animal halves on either side then walking wow. through them right. to say, if I go back on my word in this deal, my word or I am as good as these split open yeah. animals, right? Yeah. yeah. And it might've been, it just might have been as brutally basic as that. If I go against my word, kill me. Yeah. And so I'm more, I'm as good as dead. When I hear that, and then I think about what actually happened, like Abraham, it doesn't say Abraham did that. He didn't walk through the, no, he fell asleep or, or when, yeah, we, we, again, we don't know. The we whole, don't know. We don't know the whole story, but the story that's written though, doesn't indicate that he actually did that. It right. seems so, like God went through it by himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, that says God is taking that from him and he's giving him, it's like, um, here's the deal you have the faith and I'm going to, this is like, this is a gift to you. Right. The, the descendants and the stars and the whole thing, yeah. like this is a gift. I don't need you to keep 
any part of this because I'm the one giving it to you. Yo, and by the way, the reason why I need to make this so solemn and so serious is because you're never going to see it with your own eyes. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. Dave. What, I, what I've promised you, you're never going to see with your that, own eyes. Dave, that was a bitter pill for me to swallow. I got to be honest. Well, I choked up every time I, I got to that part of the sermon. The stars? No, the, the whole thing, you have to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, might, you might not see this with your own eyes. Why'd you, right? why'd you get choked up? Well, because um, yeah, some of it's current stuff I'm going through and mm-hmm. we're going through. And uh, it, it, when I was working on the sermon, it made me go back. As I was sitting in my office working on this, I thought, what have I not seen yet that I've longed for my whole life? Hmm. And oh my gosh, you know, just ask yourself that question. And if you're not in tears in 10 minutes, you're not asking it deep enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then to look at the scripture and go, and I may never, Will my story be, t- I'm sorry, I'm getting deep here, but if my, if, when my story is told, will somebody say, well, uh, Dave never saw it in his lifetime, but he was credited as righteous because he believed even though he never saw it. Mm. Is That's be- trippy, man. It is trippy. And it's, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's, that is trippy because that makes me think, okay, the people reading this, what was it? How many years after this happened, did people read it? About 500. 500 Roughly years. 500. So again, what happened 500 years ago that is just coming to fruition now yeah. that people 500 years ago never even obviously saw yeah. that we're just, the world is just now realizing, I wonder. Yeah. It's crazy. It iPhones, is. probably. They thought about iPhones back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, Siri? Siri, that's yeah. it. That's it. Stacia, what were some of your takeaways or thoughts from this sermon this weekend? Oh my God, it just... For me, it was believing in, and I've known God all my life, but my relationship with him was not where it is today. Mm. And I know your God, as I call him, lovingly, the big guy. Mm-hmm. And so it was, okay, big guy, you, you're God, but you're there. Mm. You're over there. Distant. You're distant. I'm praying, there's pain, I'm not seeing anything, I don't get it. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes like a spoiled little girl, I would pout, mm. and I'm mad at you. Mm. And so all of that, mm. I, it just reminded me of all of that stuck on stupidness that I would do. Mm. And then I got sick. What do you mean you got sick? I suffered a stroke in March. So this it made you think back to that. Oh, that absolutely. March of 2016. 2017. 2017. So less than a year ago, you suffered a stroke. Yeah, I don't think many listeners will know the story. Yeah, I suffered a stroke a couple of days before my birthday. I don't remember having it. I don't. I, I celebrated my birthday. My sister and niece were in town and was with friends. She and I had gone to Kroger because she was going to make dinner the next day. Mm-hmm. I remember being in Kroger, but I don't remember telling her I had a weird headache, not once, but twice. I don't remember driving home. I don't remember waking her up and saying, don't let me lay down. Don't let me fall asleep. Keep me talking. Watch for paralysis. Why? Watch for slurred speech. Because I had been a reporter and I remember... 
asking, well, what are the signs of a stroke? I, well, you talk about heart attack all the time. Oh, my goodness. And he said, I can't even remember the doctor's name, you'll have a headache unlike you've ever had. Mm. So that's what must have happened. So you did a story about Years the symptoms ago. of strokes, and then you started feeling some of these symptoms. I had a headache. But you don't remember. I don't remember anything. One minute I'm in Kroger, next minute I'm in rehab at no way yeah. Stacia wow. I'm at and how rehab. many months how many months in between I can't remember how long you were mm, in rehab. well let's see I was in the a good month by the yeah. time mm. I made it to mm. RHI RHI yeah and then after RHI I was at Allisonville Meadows and I remember coming to in true girl fashion yes yes I'm looking at myself in the mirror I hear my sister talking I've got this sponge of a toothbrush in my hand and I look over and I was like oh my god my hair is jacked <laughs> well, what I didn't realize oh is they god. had shaven that was your my first head wow. because mm-hmm. they had to do a, sure. a drain oh my goodness and not once but twice Mm-mm. I don't remember anything yeah of I, I know Dave Rod and P- Penny came and oh. I mean I, I, I don't remember anything okay. and I just said oh my god I gotta get to work and I turn around to go move and I feel this gentle tug, and I look over, and there's a nurse standing, and I'm in a room. I had no idea where I was, and I said, I'm not going anywhere, am I? And she goes, not today. Mm. Mm. The next thing I remember, no, I don't remember much of after that. I'm on the bed. I had gone to therapy. I'm on the bed. TV's on. And I had seen a young man, maybe about your age, Barry, mm. stroke victim paralysis and he was talking about how he did not heed the warning Mm. he went to bed and i got back to the room i lost my appetite which i didn't have anyway but i get back into the room and i'm just praying i just you're so holy thank you i'm on the bed i'm crying i'm it's you're thanking god God. Thank you, thank you for this stroke. Thank you for letting me see you, even though I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I guess I, my sister said, it was only after they confirmed that you're having a stroke that I began to cry. And I said, Sissy, we have to pray. She goes, you didn't even wait for me. You just started oh. praying. I, so in my heart, He really was there. I mean, you know, it was just Uh the realization. You start preaching this sermon. I'm going, oh my God, yesterday. Yeah, and you were sitting right behind me in North Indy. I'm like, (laughs) think back when I I lose it because it's... Can I ask you why? Do you remember why you were so thankful in in that moment? I was alive and I was speaking and I could walk and I was going to therapy and I'm talking and I'm there's snow yeah. and it's kind so of you grasped, outside. you grasped the weight of what had just happened and now yeah because okay. I didn't remember and they said oh well it's been a month. this was the first of March I'm oh, it's yes, a while. April uh, oh my goodness what and people kept asking me did you smell anything could you hear anything did God come and visit you? I was like, well, he was there, but I didn't realize that until after I woke up. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't like, yeah, I'm talking to you, kid. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that. It's just that I knew. 
I'm sitting there on that bed and they, they were worried about me because they thought, why is she crying? What is that? I'm really okay. It's all good. God is good. I, I didn't care whether you heard me. (laughs) He's my Lord. He's my savior. And he showed me in, in even some of the therapy I'm still going through. I don't care. Thank you for my stroke. That's incredible. I'm, I'm, allow, I'm allowed to live another day, to see life, to okay. see the goodness in people, to forgive those who are so in the flesh, unforgiving. Uh-huh. You know, you're just, uh-huh. it's like, okay, New Lord. Life. Yes. And I never really knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I now did you- now. And then the sermon, it was just like, clunk it it just interesting and i joke with him i said well you know how i am sometimes you're gonna have to hit me upside the head mm-hmm. you did yesterday i but, think this is one of the beauties of community for me and one of the beauties of coming to church i i i stream mm. the church service when when i'm at home or whatever i streamed it last weekend when i was with my parents yeah but to be in the room with you when you had that moment mm. and I know your story and you're my dear friend, you were sitting right behind me when pastor Dave said, do you have a memory? Faith, you know? Yeah. Faith trigger. Yeah. yeah a faith can we trigger. play a clip to oh, set that up? Yeah. Yeah. Would you? You want to grow your belief? You've got to find faith triggers. Every time Abraham walked outside at night, he saw the stars. He remembered the promise. And I believe every time he walked outside and saw the stars, he said, I believe. How will you harness your memory to remind you of the trustworthiness of God? Faith trigger. So every now right. and then we, you, you say something or we say something at grace that just like sticks, you know, it's breath prayers. It's bring your one. It's throughout the history of grace that there's just been those things. I feel like faith triggers is going to be mm. that thing. Mm. And here's the interesting thing about it regarding Stacia St- that she had, she has the, probably the, Faith trigger of all faith triggers. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, her story. But the interesting thing is, her story is one of my faith triggers. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Too. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, and that, that's and what will, I mean. And will always be, because I saw her about 24 hours after she was in, in ICU. And when I see her, if I look at her right now, and I can't, because I will start to weep, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what I saw God do in her life is a, one of the biggest faith triggers. Incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's community. She's sitting right behind me, and I'm, I'm having my own memory, and I'm already praising God. But then I hear her just gently just start to just weep. Oh, yeah. And, and it's like a wave from behind me came and washed over me, and I'm like, that's my sister. Yes, and your faith and your story strengthens my faith and so on and so forth. It's just the value of being there together and sharing this walk together. Amen. Stacia, at any moment, did you doubt? Were you angry? Nothing. Every bit. See, remember when I shared the testimony, people asked me that, are you mad at God? Mad at him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my goodness. I just feel- Now it's one of my faith triggers. I'm different. You know what I mean? It's like- Okay, and even when people, when you know they're not right, and, you, and, and we all deal with that, mm-hmm. Lord, I got to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Help me, Father, to be more like you and not to be so angry, to hold it in. It's not my battle. It's yours to show. Let them see you in me. Even if they don't know what they're mm. looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got a ministry now. 
Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm it just hang out with her. She exudes the love of God. Yeah. Um I, she is. She is a her story is one that few people get to experience in their lifetime. And it's as powerful as the stars in the sky. It's mm-hmm. incredible. That's that's what it is. Guys, what what about you? What about the rest of us? What are some faith triggers that came to mind? Things that make us things that we we remember and we cling to to remember God's faithfulness or promises or whatever. What what are some of those things for you guys? Uh, for me, it was um, or is the story of little Peter, a boy in Ukraine. And if you knew me before I was working at Grace with World Next Door, you've heard me tell the story a thousand times. And so I apologize. But if you haven't heard me tell the story, um, we'll just summarize it briefly. But um, when I was doing World Next Door, I was uh, I felt that God had called me to help people here in the suburbs understand issues of injustice around the world. And so I, I traveled to all these different places. And one of those places was uh, Ukraine, where our partner ministry mission to Ukraine works with children with special needs. And a lot of my time was spent at this place called Romanov orphanage, which is, um, well, Tyler, you've been there. How would you describe it? Um, Well, when I first went there, I would describe it as hell on earth, but today it's, it's, heaven on earth. Like it's yeah. completely different, but yeah. at the time it was, yeah. it was a dark place, man. Yeah. 80, 80 plus boys and young men with a whole range of different disabilities who are just crammed into this fetid, awful, like this is what it used to be. Uh, this awful place institutionalized and, and just, I mean, more darkness than I've ever seen mm-hmm. in my, in my life. And um, there was a boy who was there uh, named Peter who had muscular dystrophy. If you're familiar with that, it is not, didn't really affect his mind. It only affected his body. But because of the way that the orphanage was set up, he was isolated. It was in a place that they literally called the isolation ward where they put the, the boys with extreme disabilities. And so he was surrounded by um, non-communicative um, and, and sometimes even violent uh, other boys. And, and so it was a terrible place, but he was just the sweetest little, little guy that you could possibly imagine. And so um, I wrote a story about little Peter on the blog on world next door's blog and talked about how um, mission to Ukraine. Now that they had begun working in the orphanage that they had brought so much light and life. And even little Peter had started to change his attitude towards God. He had been very angry. Mm-hmm. He was probably about 12 or 13 at the time. And he was very angry at God because he believed that, you know, how could God love me and put me here? Um, but over the course of my visit there, I happened to be there right when he decided that he had changed his mind that he did believe God and that he uh, wanted to give his life to Christ. It was like really cool. And so I wrote this article and I was like, wow, amazing that that light could be shining in such a yeah. dark place. And unbeknownst to me, uh, God was only beginning the story for little Peter because um, when I wrote that article, there were people back here in the suburbs who, who read it and they just were so compelled. They felt God saying to them, you guys, you need to, to find a way to financially support Peter getting adopted. Okay. That was their, that was what they felt like strongly. And so they talked to mission to Ukraine and they said, Hey, we want to support it. How's that going to happen? And mission to Ukraine, they, the, the staff, they said, that's such a great idea, but there's no way it's going to happen. Like no Ukrainian family is ever going to adopt a boy with such significant needs. That's yeah, not Romanov, a, I mean, before this, like 
there were no adoptions coming out of there. No, the culture is if you have a child with special needs, it's much better to put them away and let the state take care of them, you know? And so they said, they said, it's a great idea, but there's no, there's no family that's going to, that's going to be able to do it. Um, Well, unbeknownst to them, God had already been working in a Ukrainian man named Yuri, who actually was one of just this incredible sweet man who had been driving the volunteers for mission to Ukraine back and forth from the orphanage. And as he had been, um, visiting this orphanage, he felt like God was saying to him that he should adopt this little boy named Peter that he had grown fond of. And, but in his mind, you know, he had talked to his wife and he, they, they said, well, we'd love to, but there's no way we could ever pay for it. We could never afford it. And so you can see how the rest of the story goes. One thing led to another and Peter was adopted um, right out of that orphanage and into the most loving, warm, beautiful family that I could ever imagine. Um, And, ultimately he lived about five or six more years before his condition took his life, but he lived those last five or six Mm. years in a, in a place of love and of hope and, and of life. And it's just amazing uh, to see how God was, was so much, his plan was so much better and bigger than mine. I I wanted to write an article and hopefully get a few people interested in mission to Ukraine. And instead he orchestrated the rescue Mm. of little Peter and, and I won't, I won't belabor it, but man, the number of stories that have launched off of that story yep. mm-hmm. in the years since are incredible. I told that story at the high school winter retreat several years ago. And when I did that, this young couple, the Perry's came up to me in tears and they said, we've been, we've been considering the possibility of adopting uh, a, a child with special needs from, from Eastern Europe. And after hearing that story, we know exactly what we are meant to do. Mm. And mm. so that Christmas, they come home with little Rhett, mm-hmm. uh, a little boy with Down syndrome, who's sweetest, yeah. who, boy, in the sweetest world. boy ever. Yeah. And so now he has got a family and it's just like, okay, God, I, I yeah. get it. I get it. You are, you are orchestrating well beyond my own capacity to imagine. Mm. And so um, w- when I think of little Peter, anytime I think of little Peter, he stands, he represents for me the fact that my faith in, is in a God who does far more than I could ever imagine. And he, mm. his, his creativity and ability to save and rescue goes so much beyond my own capacity. Um, so when I think of Peter, that's my faith trigger. That's my, my go-to one. I did not know that story. Well, that I heard it for the story, first huh? time. All right. well, I heard amazing. it for the first time and I've known you a few years. Man. Well, I could give you a lot more details that would make yeah. it even cooler, but I'll stop right Peter there. Peter truly amazing. is the sweetest soul I may have ever met. Mm. Like I, I didn't know him like Barry knew him, but that kid had so many reasons to be mad at God mm-hmm. when he learned about God, but he was like the sweetest, sweetest boy mm. I've ever met. It's, it's, it's an amazing story. Yeah. I feel like some people are more prone to belief than others. Um, for some people, it's just easier for them and for some people to believe to believe. And for mm. some people it's, it's for whatever reason, just more difficult. Mm. I think for me, Dave, I wish I had this sermon 15 years ago. Mm. <laughs> Why? Just so that I would know that it's okay to wrestle and have doubts. Mm. Yeah. Very so that's much. what stood out to you. Oh my goodness. It was liberating. It was. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have plenty of faith triggers. I was raised in a Christian home, and I saw um, God miraculously provide for my family on a number of occasions when money was really low, and you know, then suddenly there's just like 
money in the mailbox. Where'd that even come from? Yeah. God put it on somebody's heart to help us buy groceries or, or whatever. And that wasn't With always. Checks. Sometimes it was. <laughs> sometimes it actually yeah. one time, one time we were told um, there were four kids in my house and we were told that there wouldn't be money for Christmas presents that year. So just chill out, you know? And I don't know, God put it on somebody's heart to like, just bless my parents and yeah, we That's had Christmas cool. that year because of that guy. So I've got triggers, you know, from them and, you know. But the doubt side of it. Well, triggers from faith, faith builders, I should say, like from my parents. But then it's my turn. I'm grown up now. I'm an adult. I got kids of my own. So now I kind of have to learn it for my own and, yeah. and see it for myself. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a cool transition. It's exciting, um, but it can be terrifying mm. at times. Um, for me, probably the greatest challenge to my faith came when my sister, uh, whew, my sister gave birth to a stillborn at eight months mm. gestation. My sister loves Jesus with everything she is. She is just one of the, it sounds so cliche to say, but like, I just put my sister way above myself. Like, mm. I stink. My sister <laughs> is amazing. She's just way better than me. <laughs> That's how I see it. So I just, just beat my chest. God, why would you allow her to go through this? Mm. And uh, what does your word say about this? And oh when God. are we ever promised that these things won't happen to us? Mm. You know, I think I, um, in, in growing up, ran across some very, very faulty theology through the years of just like, well, we're King's kids, you know, when we walk with him, you know, devil can't touch us and nothing bad, you know, right. what, what does that even mean? You know, we just, we just went through the most horrendous time as a family. It was uh, New Year's Eve and she just miscarried horrible, horrible, horrible. And it took me months, maybe years. I might even still be working through it to tell you the truth um, to kind of make sense of it all. Not that I ever will, you know, um, but to hear you say that there are times in our lives when we will have to wrestle yeah. and that belief is an act of the will and belief does not preclude doubt. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I had to look up preclude. It means to prevent from happening. Belief doesn't prevent periods of doubt. Why, why didn't someone tell me that 15 years ago? So you needed, Amen to that. You needed permission tell me that five years ago. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if I can take it one step further, I don't think you can really believe without doubt. I agree. Okay. Huh. Now that's a little, that may sound a little twisted, but the whole idea is if I don't wrestle with the things I don't understand, I, my belief will never be strong enough to sustain the kind of life that comes at us. Mm -hmm. I've got to know that I can go to God and I can struggle with this. And he might even look at me and just shrug his shoulders, but that's okay mm -hmm. because I've engaged him. And so I, I believe, I believe in wrestling with, I, I, I actually believe that God's hammer comes down on us on purpose to get us to look at him and work through what, what he's doing in our life so that the spirit can be released. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were on, on here. I think it's absolutely crucial. And to, and to say that don't ever doubt, you're not even allowing yourself to grow in your belief if you don't doubt. Especially so if you're guilty. I mean, yeah. I felt very guilty because yeah. I'm wrestling. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then people were saying, well, you're not supposed to wrestle with God. You're not supposed to ask him questions. Mm. Wait a minute, you're my father. I can't ask, yeah. ask questions. I grew up in an abusive, um, it was pretty abusive. And so it was like, all right, well, Lord, 
why? Well, what did I do? Why did I? Why was I born in this family? What? And sometimes I didn't get answers. Mm. But then, as I was, mm. you know, trying to get through that stuff, but it's it it's so freeing. It's I can be free to be who I am. Mm-hmm. And so let, let's just be honest about this. Um, many times people don't come back from strokes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people do miscarry. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen again and again and again. If I don't wrestle now, and if, if I don't wrestle and if I don't have faith triggers, I will not be able to live through life with any semblance of faith because it's going to hit us again and again and again. And I need to know how to engage God when life hits me again. And thank God you came back. Thank, thank God you survived and you're here, Stacia. But knowing that in a strange kind of way will help us when someone doesn't. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And somebody doesn't come back. Yeah, and we I think st- we're talking about building faith. Yeah. Strengthening mm-hmm. faith. Well, here's the easiest way to not have any doubt. The easiest way is to just reduce God to a set of propositions, stick him in a box, mm. make it cr- airtight, crystal clear. You've got it all figured out. And what do you know? No doubt. Sure, I believe this, this proposition, but that box will not stand up will not. to the trials of life. Like that's not going to survive. So, uh, and so you can have no doubt. You're also not going to make it when, when life hits you upside the head. Or, or you have to entrench deeper into the box. When sure. life, okay, so the two, the two options we have to make it easier to live, okay, are entrench entrench, entrench, go deeper into the theological box of certainty. Okay. So I never have to wrestle with this. It's just is, or become an atheist, right? Mm. It's abandon it all, which is far easier than dealing with life and just say life is random. Mm. It's completely random. I'll never get it. And there's no God. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just, you know, random things happening or entrench deeper. And neither of those bring life. Right. right. And, and that right there is exactly why so many people, especially young people are walking away from their faith these days, because what we've been, we mm-hmm. collectively as like the American church, let's mm-hmm. say, have been t- telling them, just trust us. Just here's the box. Don't st- stop asking that question. Just here, take the box. Mm-hmm. And at some point when life doesn't seem to match up, they walk away because we've never given them the, the permission to, right. to wrestle. To doubt, to wrestle, wrestle, to ask questions, and to engage God that way. It's one yeah. thing to wrestle with each other, but to talk to God in, oh. in that deeply mm-hmm. personal way, you only get there by wrestling, the bottom line. You only get there when Abraham looks at him and says, I don't know how you could say that because I don't have a son. Yeah. You keep telling the sand thing, the star thing, what, the, the thing that doesn't make sense to me because I don't have a son. Yeah. When I was 22... I was in probably the darkest point of my life. I was drinking myself like crazy to sleep, uh, to be awake. I was experimenting prescription pills. Like I remember calling my mom, I'm vomiting blood. What do I do? Like that kind of stuff. And in the course of about six weeks, four or five people that I was either related to or close to died. So I'd be at a funeral and I'd get a call. I'd be at a funeral for my uncle who died unexpectedly. And I'd get a call that my friend was killed in Afghanistan. Mm. And so there was a period of time where I was just like deconstructing. It happened in the same period of my life where I was just like, 
I don't want to believe, like, I don't want to believe in this stuff. And so it was a dark, dark time. And the thing that I remembered yesterday that I haven't even thought about since I was 22, 12 years, I haven't thought about since I was 22 was my roommate's mom, who just kind of told it like it is. She's just like, she's just one of those people that doesn't sugarcoat, sugarcoat it. She pulled, she grabbed me by my face, both hands on my face. And she said, I I wrote it, I wrote it down at the time and I looked it up. I I don't want to mess this up, but she grabbed my head with both of her hands. And she said, you are too important to throw your life away. You think God loves you less? You think there is no God? You're going to be awfully surprised then when God uses you to save and impact the lives of so many people who aren't as strong as you. Mm. Not everyone can have that faith. Do you? And at that moment, like I was in too dark of a place to be like, yes, I do. Or no, I don't. But five years later, 10 years later, 12 years later, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like here I am working at a church of all places that I don't know what kind of impact I'm having on people's lives, but hopefully I get to live into what she's said about me where I get to impact other people's lives. And so yesterday I'm thinking back on that moment that I haven't thought about in 12 years. And I'm like, that is the moment where I believe Mm -hmm. it was a turning point, first of all, but it's the moment I believe I, I think back on, I'm like, that is the sign to me that God is good to me and yeah. his promises are true yeah. and he's brought me through. And you've probably helped people along the way since then. You'll never know about Yeah. That. Who Just, knows? Yeah. You'll never know. Yeah. But you've made an impact. Yeah. It's crazy. F- faith triggers. Oh yeah. It's, it's huge. Dave, you, you said that you have something on your computer that comes up that reminds you of a, it's current. It's real current. It's within the last four or five months. It's, what, yeah. What are some other faith triggers for you? Well, and there's one I, I'll, I'll never forget. And, and I, I tell people when I talk about my calling that this is, I don't think this is normative in any way, but I was in, I was in college. I had, frankly, I, it was within months of me. There I was, I'm sicker, sicker than a dog at University of Pittsburgh. I had, I was bombing out of classes. I was in pre-med and I knew there was no way I was going to make med school. And long story short, I meet Jesus. I say something like, you know what, if you're real, I need you now to change my life. And he, I mean, he just, it was like he was present, changed. And that's when I surrendered my life to Christ. Within months of that, then I'm invited home to uh, a traveling preacher at our home church and it was good. I mean, I went and heard him speak, but then afterwards we're down in the fellowship hall, you know, Baptist churches had fellowship halls and we're drinking punch and having cake. And this guy, this traveling preacher comes up to me and he sticks a finger in my chest. I mean, in a way that I can still feel it today. I mean, it was physical. He just punched me in the chest with his finger and he said, God's calling you to be a pastor. Hmm. And now he had no idea. He didn't know who I was. He didn't know me from anything at that moment. It was the most open moment in my life to consider the call of God. And he hit me right at that moment. And I said, okay. I mean, immediately. Okay. And within weeks I had enrolled in Bible school and within Mm. several months I was out, I was gone Mm. into Bible school. So I remember that moment all the time. All the time. I go, and sometimes I have to go back to that because I'm like, really? Did you call me? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Remember the finger in the chest. Yeah. You, know? you can still feel it. I can still feel it. Wow. That's just one. It's incredible. 
so another thing you talked about that was face triggers. Another thing you talked about was uh, ceremony, and you encouraged us all to make sure that in order to grow our faith, we have to practice ceremony. But belief requires habit and repetition of practices. Daily breath prayers, sitting down with God and opening up the scriptures, getting your journal out. It requires repetition. So um, I heard that yesterday and like, man, I got to wake up earlier. Right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. I thought the same thing. I don't have a ritual, like ritual ritual. Ritual either. But it's so, I mean, repetition, when I think repetition, I don't know why, but I'm like, oh, that's negative. Like it, it just becomes like, habit it's not like a purposeful practice but repetition you're saying builds faith yeah can you talk a little bit more about yeah and one thing i forgot to mention in the sermon that i had the first week of the series i said uh, uh, abraham had this thing and i don't know where he learned it, it was probably a cultural thing his repetitive practice every time he met with god he built a pile of stones Mm-hmm. You, you did that. mention that. You did, mention did I mention it this weekend too? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so that was his repetition. I think I think uh, repetition and habit is the thing that gets me in the groove of thinking about God. Because if we don't, if we randomize it, then we're pretty much we're kind of at the whim. Uh, how do I say this? Um, it's really easy to then make your faith an emotional thing because if you're really, really down, you'll go to God or you're really, really up, you'll go to God. But on the daily going to God and engaging him, that's why it requires habit because life is not always extremely down and it's not extremely Mm -hmm, up. mm -hmm. So I've I've got to habitualize my relationship with God even, even if in that habit, going to church, writing in a journal, you're going, I got nothing today. But you know what? I sat down and engaged God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a firm believer in that and habitualizing our practices with God. Mm. And for me, I mean, I mean, it's kind of cliche. I mean, I, I tweeted about it today. I, here's my repetition. This book, this journal, this coffee cup, this chair, this pen. Yeah, it's yeah, a, I saw that. It's a ritual. It's, it's now a ritual. And they knew that, I'm pointing to my son, but you, you, you've known that for some time, that that yeah. was my ritual, right? Yeah, and mom would be on the couch in the living room. And she, has a, she, she sits in the same place. She has her Bible. I mean, that ritualization is, is crucial. And you're modeling that for your children. Well, I hope so. I hope so. That's Ooh, a huge, which that's was a another call out. For me. Yeah. I mean, you will model it for your children. I hope so. If, when I have kids, if I have kids. So okay. I, I'm- I'm counting on him modeling that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm- Realizing, I mean, I just, I got married in May, so I'm, I'm not even a year married yet. And um, in the last three years, I ended my nonprofit. I stopped traveling all the time. I got married. I moved to a new place. And so I'm still trying to figure out what are my rhythms, mm-hmm. but I'm slowly beginning to kind of build into this new lifestyle, some of the habits that I've picked up over the years. And journaling is one that's a really big one. And the thing is, um, actually Olivia the other day asked me, she's like, why do you journal? Like, what's the point? Uh, and, and it was a good, it was a good conversation. And I told her for me, journaling is less about 
keeping a record for future me to look back on. Although that it's a, it's a great thing to be able to look back and be like, oh man, you remember when I was really going through that or this? Um, for me, it's more because while I take the time to write how I'm feeling, to, to process a prayer or something I'm afraid of, it, it, by the very nature of doing it, it puts me in a space where I'm, I'm communicating with mm-hmm. God. At the very least, I'm writing about how I'm feeling and God is with me in that moment, even if I'm not necessarily addressing him. So exactly. I'm right. actually just on this retreat that I survived. Lockdown. <laughs> I, I, you uh, wrote your journal in the snow. Yeah. I came back and I mean, I used to come back from these retreats and I would do these once a year. By the way. That's a ritual that There's you a keep. Ritual. You keep that as well Retreat? as anybody I know. He, how often do you do it? Once a year, I try to go away for okay. two nights and just alone. I used to be hardcore. I would just go with a Bible notebook and a, and a journal and a pen. Um, now I no shelter. Food? Well, I'd have shelter and food, <laughs> swimsuit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I now allow myself some other reading and things that can help stimulate my mind. Just because I know mm-hmm. that I get bored. Yeah. Too, too bored. So anyway, the, one of the things I came back from this re- retreat was, okay, I'm going to get journaling back into a daily rhythm, even if it's just a paragraph yeah. saying I don't really have time or I'm not feeling it. But so anyway, that's where I am with journaling. Marin, do you have ceremonies? I have breath prayers all day, every day, mm-hmm. all day long. Um, and I do journal, but I don't do it when I have nothing to say or, you know. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. And I mean, when I really need to work it out, I work it out on paper and it, it really is helpful. I feel like my best praying is done on paper, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes I have to rip it up and throw it away. Nobody can will, see it. Kids will never see this. Yeah. You know? Stacia, how, how about you? Yeah. I'm horrible at that. Ceremonies? Uh, yeah. I mean, I do the breath prayers and just while I'm in the car, in the shower, getting up in the morning, Mm -hmm. cooking, you know, it's just, and I wrote all the time Um, and I'll start and then I stop. Mm -hmm. But I'm sitting here listening and it's like, you said start because (laughs) post-stroke, you know, there are some challenges. Um, Mm. My reading, it's changed. Mm. And I remember the doctor saying to me, you know, there will be a new normal. Mm. And so with my daily talks with, with God, it's like, okay, I'm trying to adapt to this new normal thing, but I'm really struggling with yeah. this. Mm. Can you please help me? Or I would really like it back, but if that is not your will, help me to at least adapt so I don't look like a complete moron. Yeah. You know, it just, but then I know I'm not a moron no. because- you got a plan for me with yeah. this. And so just give me the patience mm-hmm. to be patient mm. and wait on you, mm-hmm. which is really hard for me mm-hmm. to do. So in that regard, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's just saying to me, no, I want you to talk to me more. Mm. Can I yeah. ask you about your walking? That's a ritual. Do you? Oh, that is a walking. Walking and, and I do commune walk. with God when you're, when you're out there walking? Yes, I do. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, gee, I, I, I remember I, I that. I would think like, oh man, I don't have a chair. I don't have like a specific journal. Yeah. Man, I don't have a ritual, but I have other rituals. Like yes. you talked about taking your kids to church and how, you know, prioritizing oh. that, teaching your kids not to take their faith so casually. Um, that is definitely a ritual. We are that family that is until live streaming happened. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, church, every time the doors are open. But even when we're live streaming, the kids are right there too. Like, 
we're modeling this for our kids. So we have other rituals. Yeah, so I, I do say, walk. Yeah, I do, your walking I do would walk. be one for you. Remember Carmen, our... Um, Stanza Kevich. Stanza Kevich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She used to uh, lead the choir. Lead the choir. And she wrote this album. And I think the title was When Me and God Go Walking. Mm. Mm. And that's what made me think of that. Mm. And so, yes, to answer your question, I do. And I get really silly. And <laughs> people probably look at me like, Yes. What is wrong with her? Yes. Yeah. Why is she talking to herself? I am yeah. talking to an air. I've do you been... prancer size? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What the heck is that? Is that where that? you like, you like really <laughs> get into your walking yeah. to get more cardio oh, or something? You haven't seen prancer size? No. Oh, you guys got to Google prancer size, man. It's <laughs> fantastic. Wow. Yeah. I, no, at, at the gym the other day, I was live streaming the worship set here and I was clapping at the oh. gym, arms were raised. I was actually yeah. saying, no, yes, you were. Yeah, I, I promise I was. Yeah. And someone, two exercise bikes down from me, I caught him just like looking at me. Like, what was I doing? What's wrong with that girl? I totally yeah. know what you're talking about yeah. when you're out there yeah. in public. And, Mostly on the bone cool. on. <laughs> yeah. So this ritualization thing, I think Barry's looking at Prancer Size. Barry's looking at Prancer Size. That's why we got quiet. I remember, <laughs> I remember this. Oh now. my God. Do you remember that? But anyway, yeah. the. It's almost stereotypical to have the rituals of faith to be sitting down in a chair, praying, writing in the journal. But I'm glad that they brought up the walking thing because yeah. there are plenty more For rituals sure. and practices. And that's why I brought up the going to church thing. I, and obviously, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I was, I debated whether even to bring that up, to be honest with you, because it feels so old school. But at the same time, if we don't understand that, that as a ritual and as a ceremony, and, and we just... We just go to church when we're feeling it. We're, mm-hmm. we're training ourselves and our children how to approach God whenever we want, whenever mm-hmm. we're feeling it, not because he is the almighty and deserves my presence. It feels old school enough to be new school. You know how there's <laughs> yeah. like those things that <laughs> we in the world far where, back. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like old enough to be a new idea now. Like, oh yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. I should go to church yeah. to teach my kids good things. Bell so, bottoms and all right, weekly so, attendance at church. <laughs> yeah. Old fashions. Since you brought up the clothes thing, let me just, let, uh, let me, this is, this is somewhat controversial because, um, not if, as controversial as not liking Ikea. So you're good. Oh, I, would, I don't like Ikea. <laughs> I mean, people are not going to even listen to this episode they because be, yeah. they're just like, I'm turning it off. Yeah. And I make, I make better Swedish meatballs. But anyway, that, <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. Oh, yeah. I didn't say anything. Because like, okay. he probably makes better yeah. meatballs. Yeah, let's hear it. Prove it. So here's the, if you come to Grace, uh, you can pretty much wear anything you want. Um, it, it, you can be as casual as you want. And that's cool. I love it that way. Um, but I'll never forget a guy, I think in the early years of Grace, who took me on. When, oh no, oh yeah, and he was dressed to the nines. I mean, he had the suit and the tie, and he and but it was a theological thing for him, mm-hmm. and it was a ritual thing for him, mm-hmm. because he said I don't know exactly what he said, but he looked at me and said something like, "If I'm going to go to be with the Almighty, I want to be dressed in the way that honors Him for who He is, mm. and so I will do whatever I can to posture put." get myself in the posture, including my clothes that identifies how I feel about him. And I was like, Oh really? <laughs> and I felt awful. You're like, I'm wearing a undershirt. Yeah. yeah. But that's the, fine. As long as he doesn't put that on you. Exactly. Right. No. And the point was he didn't put it on me because I, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. dress up all the time. Um, but it raises the question. Um, he has chosen to ritualize his faith mm-hmm. in a certain way. 
And I can't demean him for that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Not by any stretch of the imagination because that's how he's chosen to live out his faith. Mm-hmm. Where I've run into trouble with this is I worked at a homeless shelter once where uh, mo- more than one woman has told me that they couldn't go to church because they didn't have church clothes. Mm. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at Stacia right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That, that, if, that it's that important to certain right. cultures that they would not even consider going if they didn't have the right Or attire. don't have pantyhose. The one pantyhose right. I have have runs in them and I would never come to church without stocking. I, I, when I was in, in Kenya, in Kibera slum, even in this little tiny shack of a church with metal, metal roof and wooden walls, people came there and they were dressed with whatever they could possibly get. That was the nicest thing, the best thing they that could. they could wear. So mm-hmm. yeah. And even there, yeah. When, and I think we're, we're living in such, I mean, there's no such thing as dressing up unless you intentionally dress up mm-hmm. and people, if you intentionally dress up because in your mind that puts you in the posture that you should be in, then I don't have any problem with that at all. And I like, sure. I like that ritual. Yeah. Okay. Now, if it is something, I agree, Marin, that we're putting on other people and everybody's got, no, I'm not down with that. Mm. But there, what, I'm, what I'm saying is there are practices we need to commit ourselves to. And, and frankly, I'm just, I'm done with people saying, I'm just not feeling church. Yeah. Mm. Get yourself yeah. up. Get <laughs> was, your kids, get out. That, the, that was awesome. You're like, yeah, your kids don't like church. Neither did you. Yeah. <laughs> and look at you now. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, there were points I didn't like to sit beside. I, I, they made me. I was going to say his name. I'm not going to say his name. This is going out in the, yeah. in the all the world. But but the fact, I just sit and listen to this Classic. man. We My parents did not just take me to church. We were at prayer meeting every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. My sister and yeah. I were sometimes the only two kids there. I mean, complete eye rolls. <laughs> All the time, but I learned something. I learned something about prayer, learned something about faith, even the stuff I didn't like, I learned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's true. You know, so, and, and it's, and it's shaped me. So yeah, I'm going to be old school, but I'm going to, that's cool. I'm going to hammer on that. Yeah. Talking about the clothes, it's like that one time I was in Ukraine and I was going to church with some of the, my Ukrainian friends and I came down, I was on a short term trip. So I was like, not bringing a suit, right? Grungy clothes. Yeah, I'm wearing shorts. Because we always think that other countries, we should dress in our worst clothes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bring because clothes we're going to be going to a getting seat. dirty. It's, it's shame. wrong. Shame. So I'm coming down. I started down. packing yes. trousers and a nice collared shirt everywhere Speaking I went. Speaking of old school. No, it's British. It, <laughs> Kenya, they call them trousers. It's old enough slacks. to be cool again. Slacks, there we go. Slacks. Sorry. Anyway, continue, <laughs> Tyler. I'm sorry. I came down in shorts. They weren't like, not nice shorts. They were just shorts and a collared shirt. And one of the guys goes, Tyler, uh, maybe pants. <laughs> like, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Oh man. So this whole series has been, you know, when I first heard we were going to talk about Abraham for like 18 weeks straight, I was like, Oh wow. man, come on Seriously? Abraham. Yeah. But this is fascinating stuff. I love this series that we're in right now and it's just compelling and, thought provoking. And, um, so thanks. Thanks Dave for giving that great message. Stacia, thanks for being here today. It was awesome. And I want to thank you, the listener for joining us today. Faith is hard guys, but we are here together. And, uh, thanks for being with us. So next week, Tim Ayers will be here as we do another deep dive into the life of Abraham And we'll play another round of Ask Tim Anything. So if you've got questions for our teaching pastor that you're just dying to know about anything, go to betweensundays.us and fill out the form to ask us. 
or you can find us on, you know, Grace's Facebook or Twitter uh, at Grace Church IN. So, Marin, do you want to send us out? Yes, I do. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday. Take care. <laughs>